The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned in keeping them. There is great reward. Isn't that beautiful? You know, for a long time, I mean, as long as I can remember, and I mean for a very long time, I've had this thing about the scriptures. I mean, for as long as I can remember, I've thought that the Bible was a terribly important book. In my much younger days, and I mean when I was considerably younger than I am today, I, 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 I couldn't have told you very much about the Bible at all. So the fact that I considered it to be terribly important might sound a little irrational, but then life is full of such matters, I suppose. I knew that it had something to do with God, of course, and I thought that God was terribly important, even though I didn't know much about him either. But I knew that this world, this universe, this life simply wasn't all that there is. And somehow it made sense that that which transcended this physical realm was, was the one I would come to know as God. I remember quite distinctly an occasion that took place when I was in my teenage years. I was a part of a youth group. It would have considered itself to have been a, a Christian youth group, and we were discussing issues of morality one, one session. Well, at some point, the discussion came around to what is generally known as abortion. And I remember asking, what does the Bible say about it? To which one of the group's leaders replied, what does that have to do with anything? And I suppose many would share in the sentiments of such a response. But I was shocked. And I was shocked because this was supposed to be a group being led by people of faith, by people who would have considered themselves to have been followers of Jesus in some way or another. And this chap didn't seem to consider what the Bible said to have been of any importance. Well, admittedly, it wasn't the first time that I had encountered such a mindset. And during those years, it had become clear to me that 
there were many who simply went to church and who appeared to be religious, but who had little, if any, time for the book. And by the time I was ready to exit my teenage years, I had become sufficiently disillusioned with what paraded itself as religion, understanding that it often had rather little to do with God. But I loved God, and uh, I, I, I kept reading his word. I, I spent a lot of time reading the Gospels. And I came to, to love this Jesus of Nazareth and, and his teachings. And the day finally came when I stumbled upon this group of believers who took the scriptures seriously and who did care about what the book said. But that's another story for another day. Well, in all the years that have gone by since those early days, I've continued to have this thing about the scriptures. I know a lot more now than I once did, and I know I still have so much more to learn. But I think more than ever that the Bible really is a terribly important book. And I suppose that there are many things that make it to be such an important book. But at the, the very heart of the matter, it is the scriptures that reveal to us the, the nature, the character, the ways, the very mind of God himself. It's these writings that are able to transport our souls, as it were, into realms that cannot be seen with mere mortal eyes, that are able to enlighten our minds with knowledge of things that cannot be known, and to teach our hearts of unending love that cannot begin to be measured. And how does it do this? How does it bring us into the presence of God and reveal to us something of his glory and of his power? How, how does it begin to declare something of his majesty and of his sovereignty? How does it tell us something of his infinite love and boundless compassion? How does it, how does it do these things? Well, it does all of these things through, through telling stories, through singing songs and composing poetry, through recording historic events, through laying out laws and decrees, through writing letters and journals, through revealing visions and dreams and on and on. And all of this... All of this because God wants us to draw near to him as he draws near to us because God wants us to know him intimately and to enjoy life with him. You know, he hasn't just given us a 
single-sided CV with personal details and qualifications, or you know, he hasn't handed us a, a list of things he'd like us to do, along with another list of things he would like us not to do. He hasn't just done that. He's revealed himself to us in every way imaginable. And he's done so in such a way to enable us to, to take part in a, a lifelong journey of discovery and adventure and intrigue and mystery until one day he'll take us home to be with him when all will be revealed so much more clearly. Of course, God's ultimate revelation to mankind was not in the pages of a book, but in the form of his son. Isn't that amazing? That God took upon himself flesh and was born and lived and died as one of us? I, I still can't really get over that. Being God, he took upon himself human form and he lived among us. That truly is amazing. The writer of the New Testament book that we call Hebrews begins with these words. He said, long ago, at many times and in many ways. God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. <laughs> Wonderful. You know, there was one occasion when Jesus was in conversation with his students, his disciples, and he said to them, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Well, one of them, one of these students, Philip, didn't seem to understand. Actually, I suspect that he wasn't the only one who didn't understand, and I'm also pretty sure that were we to have been there, we would have been very happy to hear Philip say, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Well, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? So here is a truth. If ever... 
anybody wants to know who God is, you know, what he's like, then you need simply to point them to Jesus. He is, as we just read, the exact imprint of his nature. Or as uh, Paul, formerly known as Saul of Tarsus, once wrote, he is the image of the invisible God. Uh, amazing. But of course, for us to see Jesus today, we need to first read the book. And there, uh, among the, the narrative, among the poems and the laws and the words of wisdom and the visions and the letters and the prophets, there, among all of these varied and colourful documents of all sorts of shapes and sizes, we find four that seem to stand out from the rest, and we call them the Gospels. And there's really nothing else quite like them. Not in the realm of this world's literature is there anything quite like those books we often refer to simply as Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. We probably don't spend enough time in the Gospels. I know we don't spend enough time in the Scriptures, full stop, but we probably don't spend enough time in the Gospels, and yet they are there to be read. Not simply studied or taken apart bit by bit and analysed, they're there to be read in their fullness over and over. And the more that we do read them, the more real becomes Jesus of Nazareth. And the more we know of him, the more we know of the Father. And the more we know of the Father, the more we might know him intimately, and the closer we might grow to him. One of the things which particularly intrigues me about the Gospels is the way in which we are drawn into the story itself. We, we're not simply reading biographies in which we acquire information and learn facts about this Jesus of Nazareth. We are reading something far more compelling than that. More than simply learning about him, we are called to inhabit the story with him, to walk with him, to abide in him, knowing that he will be with us and within us as we journey through life together, even today. It's simply not enough to be reading the scriptures as much as we want to be doing that. 
It's simply not enough to be reading our Bible. We want to be reading the Word of God, but not that we might simply know the Word of God, but that we might know the God of the Word himself. The Gospel of John records a, a number of encounters Jesus has with the, um, the religious people, most of whom are not terribly impressed by him. Well, on one occasion, as Jesus is speaking with them about his, his authority, about his identity, and uh, those who bear witness to him, he said this. He said to the religious people, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Unlike the religious people of whom I spoke a little earlier, these were readers of the scriptures. In fact, by all accounts, they knew the scriptures rather well, and yet they didn't really know them at all. That is, they didn't understand them. Oh, they could have quoted, you know, book, chapter and verse and until the fatted calves came home. But they didn't really understand what they were saying. It's not that they didn't understand the actual words that they were reading, but they really didn't know the one whose words they were. They really didn't know God, so much so that when he stood in their midst, they thought he was an imposter, a, a fraud, or something even worse. They searched the scriptures because they thought that in them they would have eternal life, but they didn't realize that the scriptures spoke of Jesus the life giver. And so they refused to come to him in order that they might have life in all of its fullness. And where does all of this leave us? Well, we want to be readers and searchers of the scripture, certainly. But it's not life that we're looking for. It's Jesus. He's the one we're looking for as we read and search the scriptures, and we're looking for him so that we might come to him, not simply in our reading, but in our lives. The scriptures are calling us to come to Jesus. They're drawing us into the story and in no more compelling fashion than in the Gospels. When we read of Jesus, of his coming into the world, of his 
life of service, of his teachings and wisdom, of his love and compassion, of his justice and mercy, of his sacrificial death, of his victory over death. When we read of Jesus, we're called to be a part of the story with him. And it's the story of life and of suffering and of death and of victory over death. It's the story of living in the very presence of God. So, yes, I've still got this thing about the Scriptures. And I've got this thing about the Scriptures because through them and day by day I'm being drawn ever closer into the presence of God. And it's only in knowing him that we can find life in all of its fullness. I might know a lot more about the book than I did all those many years ago, but far more importantly, I'm growing to know the God and Father of my Lord Jesus ever so much better than I ever could have imagined was possible. And my prayer is that all of this is for you too. And I hope that in this short time that we've spent together, we found something to think about. May God bless you in all of this. Yes, may the God of all love bless us with his presence. May he open the eyes of our hearts that we might see things which cannot be seen. May he draw us ever closer into his presence as we grow to know him more fully day by day, and may he give us life in all its fullness as we walk with Jesus. May our Father, the Father of all mercies, bless us abundantly that we might be a blessing to those around us and may he give us peace.